Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. What is it that we should write about? And the more that we started to think about it, the more we realized just how many couples we, we, we would meet over time who were really struggling with questions of, um, you know, how do you balance two different um, careers? Like how and, and how often there are these kind of patterns where you have two really wonderful, talented people or in some cases, you have a, a really talented woman, mm-hmm. and um, and oftentimes she's the one that slows down. Um, there's really difficult conversations about who should take which job when, um, you know, who should be taking care of the kids and cooking, and um, and realizing that those are all the the conversations that we've that we were having um, and that we had had and. I'm not sure that we necessarily have figured it out completely, but I definitely think that we've, you know, after 25 years and still being together, we've, we've figured out something. And for years, others have asked Brian Bantam and his wife, Gail Song Bantam, to reveal the secret to their marriage as a multiracial Christian couple with high-profile ministry callings. Today on Connections, we're joined by Brian He's going to share a little bit about the lessons that they've learned along the way, the principles that have helped them navigate race, family history, and gender dynamics. He'll also share a little bit about their new book, Choosing Us, Marriage, and Mutual Flourishing in a World of Difference. We're joined today by Brian Bantam. He is the Neil F. and Isla A. Fisher Professor of Theology at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary in Illinois. He is also the co-author of a new book, Choosing Us, Marriage, and Mutual Flourishing in a World of Difference. We want to get to know you a little bit better. And also, tell us a little bit about your wife and your family. Yeah, so so Gail and I have been married for... Um, 26 years. It'll be 27 years uh, this uh, this summer, and we uh, Gail is um, a lead pastor at Quest Church um, here in Seattle. Uh, we have three um, pretty much adult sons now. So our youngest is 17, turning 18 here, um, and then our oldest two will be 22 and t- 24 this year. Um, so we are. So we've, so we've lived a long life together. Um, we <laughs> met when we were 19, um, got married when we were 20, when we were 21, um, had our first, uh, first child by the time we were 23. So we were, we, we kind of hit the ground running and have really lived our whole lives trying to kind of figure out, uh, what it both really early on both felt a call to ministry. Um, but still we're kind of discerning what that looks like, um, and especially for Gail as a woman in ministry, you know, there weren't a lot of opportunities to to figure that out um, and, and for her to be kind of welcomed into those spaces. So it took us a while to kind of figure out what that looked like for both of us. Uh, we were we went to Duke. Um, we went to Duke first for me to um, for my master's program. Um, she eventually started her MDiv um, and I finished up a doctorate when I was there. We moved to Seattle. We've been in Seattle in about for about 13 years now. Um, and we came initially for, for a position, um, for a teaching position here. And we've been here ever since. Um, so that's a little bit, that's the quick version. <laughs> and now you both are, you're both in high profile ministry callings and you have, from what we're hearing, a very successful marriage and it's lasted throughout these years. 
You're now writing about this in a book called Choosing Us. Why have you decided to share what you are doing? Yeah, well, it's interesting because so so what happens with Gail sometimes is she wakes up um, and she kind of knows that certain things have to get done. There's, you know, it's, we might call it spirit. We might call it, um, you know, a word from God. But she wakes up and she's one morning she says, Brian, we, we need to write a book. And she's, she had actually been having some editors ask her uh, to write. Um, and she just never really was in a, in a space of, of wanting, of, kn- of knowing what she wanted to write about on her own. But she woke up one morning and said, you know, we both need to write a book. Um, and then the question became, well, what is it that we should write about? And the more that we started to think about it, the more we realized just how many couples we 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 would meet over time who were really struggling with questions of um you know how do you balance two different um careers like how and, and how often there are these kind of patterns where you have two really wonderful talented people or in some cases you have a, a really talented woman mm-hmm. and um and oftentimes she's the one that slows down. Um, there's really difficult conversations about who should take which job when, um, you know, who should be taking care of the kids and cooking and, um, and realizing that those are all the, the conversations that we've, that we were having um, and that we had had. And I'm not sure that we necessarily have figured it out completely, but I definitely think that we've, you know, after 25 years and still being together, we've, we figured out something. Um, and we started to realize, oh, wait a second, maybe this is, maybe this is the book. And maybe this is the question of, of how is it that couples can begin to um, foster a life of mutual flourishing? Um, and then to add to that, um, you know, a lot of marriage books just don't talk about questions of race mm-hmm. um, or think about kind of the systemic realities of gender. Um, and and these are parts of our marriages that like we get married and all of a sudden the world kind of just cuts off and the realities that shaped us just disappear. Those still live inside of our marriages. Um, and so that's where we just, we really felt like, you know, this was a book that, um that, that folks that maybe hadn't been written yet. Um, and we've definitely saw those experiences in the, in the couples that we've um, been walking with over time. Now, a little earlier, you mentioned race and cultural differences in a marriage and the lack of resources out there for people who are in relationships like this. Why was it so important for you to include this in the book? Yeah, I mean, we just we 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 did so many searches. And, um, and that's the thing is that when it's lots of little things that you don't even necessarily expect, you know, you, it's, you know, where are you going to eat and what kind of food are you going to make on a regular basis? And where are you going to go to church? Um, What neighborhoods are you going to live? What, uh, you know, what schools are you going to go? Are your kids going to go to where do you, do you think, and then what language should they speak or not speak? And um, so these are, these are always like big questions that, that pop up in marriages. And then especially for, for me as a black mixed man, you add to that the realities of, you know, over just in the last five to six years in the United States, you know, the, the, um, police shootings and this kind of existential question of what blackness means or for Gail, who's Korean American, the kind of um, anti-Asian violence um, that, that's been kind of running through. And so all, all of a sudden those kinds of things create questions in ourselves, you know, and, or just 
grief and burdens that, um, you know, we have to kind of think about in terms of who, who we belong to and, and who is this person in our life. And then you bring children into the mix. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We had this one moment. It was, it was really difficult. Uh, we, we wanted to, we wanted our kids to, um, feel really connected to their Korean, um, to their Korean culture, um, which of course is really hard because they're, they're really ambiguous. So they're not easily identifiable as Korean, um, or really even Asian. And so we sent them to Korean schools, kind of like a rite of passage for so many, uh, so many Korean Americans, especially. And it was really hard to watch because they were kind of perpetually marginalized just through little questions like, Oh, have you ever had kimchi before? Oh, this is going to be really spicy. Or, Oh, do you, do you know this? Or then sometimes even the ways that they would kind of joke would kind of be, would be uh, reprimanded a little bit more harshly than some other kids. And so really after four weeks, we had to pull them out and then kind of have this conversation about what does it mean to be connected to, to Korean folks. Um, And, and this is, these these are your people, but those people you experience are not everyone. Um, and so, especially for mixed race kids and mixed couples, um, it's 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 not always an easy line to figure out what race looks like um, in our own individual relationships or in our own personhood. There are two interesting chapters in this book. Chapter four, it's a man's world, gender and marriage from a man's perspective. And chapter five, glass bulbs and rubber balls, gender and marriage from a women's perspective. Tell us a little bit about that and why you decided to include that in this book. Yeah, so, well, it was interesting because I think Gail and I, we we decided to each write the chapter on gender um, separately. So all the other chapters, we kind of, our voices kind of switch back and forth. Um, but I wrote the chapter on, uh, masculinity. Uh, it's a man's world. And then Gail wrote a book on marriage from a woman's perspective. Um, and it was really interesting, even the ways that we both approached it when we, we kind of put the chapters back, we kind of went off to our own several corners, did our work and then came back. And it was really interesting because my chapter was much more about the kind of history of masculinity and the realities of patriarchy and what do you do with privilege. Um, whereas Gail's chapter was really about the expectations that women so often have to carry to be perfect, to do everything right. Um, and so one of the beautiful things that I loved about her chapter is and, and learned so much from was this idea just that of how many pressures there are on women um, just to get everything right, to have every decision right, to have the career just right, to have the right way of, of raising one's kids, um, to be present, to full, be fully present in all of those moments. And one of the things I think that, and this is, I think, one of the principles that I think we've we've kind of followed in our marriage is to say that, you know, not everything can get done well at a given moment. Um, there are going to be some things, things that she calls rubber balls that are okay to drop because they'll bounce. They'll come back, they'll come back up when they need to come back up. And then at any given moment, there are also glass ball, glass of bulbs, um, things that you have to really carry carefully because if you drop them, they're going to shatter and, and it's harder to put those things back together. Um, and those things shift from season to season in one's marriage. And, um, and we've seen that too in our own relationship. You know, there's certain times when one's career or one's circumstance in life is very tender 
and you can take a little bit more time with that one. Um, and the other person is in a position where they can really bend a little bit, um, maybe not do quite as much. Um, or it's the reality is with our own kids that, you know, there's a certain moment when maybe one child is really having a, a tough time. Um, and, you know, so everything has to slow down for them. And that means that maybe we're not going to do as great a job um, at our workplace or we're not going to get all of the cookies made for the, you know, the fifth birthday party. Um, and that's going to be okay too. And what does it mean to discern that? But in a lot of ways, the questions of gender are very different for, for men and women um, and how the kind of challenges that get raised when um, in those kinds of in marriages. Were you shocked with what Gail had written or was she shocked with what you had written when it came to these two chapters? You know, I don't. I don't necessarily think so. I, th- I think we we talk so much. We um, when we first we actually got we got to know each other um, a long distance. So we met um, through a mutual friend who connected us, and so we were always writing writing letters, phone calls. This was all before internet and um, and all that good good stuff. So so we always talk. In a lot of ways, these these chapters and the thing and the 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 content um the stuff that we had been talking a lot about i think what i was surprised a little bit about was um i think i was i was surprised or i should say i was reminded again and again that that challenge never gets easier Mm. um that it is a kind of constant kind of puzzle that's being worked out and a kind of constant pressure that's being worked out um and it's so often, you know, she doesn't, there's things that are so normal to her to have to navigate that she oftentimes doesn't even necessarily talk to me about it. Cause it's just, she would be telling me things constantly. Yeah. Um, and so I'm reminded that uh, of how, just how important it is for me to be able to anticipate, to ask questions, to be able to support her. So that she's not feeling like she's having to make those decisions by herself. At the end of the day, would you say there's one way that we can flourish together in our relationships or does, is it a whole bunch of things that need to come together to make it work? You know, it's, I mean, it really is a lot of things, but I would say a lot of those things are tied together um, by a real fundamental trust. Um, And what I mean is it's a, it's a trust that the other person really does want you to flourish um, they want the best for you, even if they also want the best for themselves. <laughs> um, and, and that the other person wants, wants to, so the, each person wants the other to flourish and that you have to be able to trust that. Um, now it doesn't mean necessarily mean that either of us know or have the capacity to give the other person what they need. But I do think that if you can trust that, the other person wants to know and wants to find out that you can then, that then opens up the possibility for conversations, um, for thinking about one's history, for trying to kind of note the kind of everyday ways that, you know, we sometimes fail and can get better. Um, and so I think that, but it's that fundamental trust because if you don't really trust that that person wants, wants the best for the other um, it gets really, really hard to do the hard work of of building and working together towards that. What about communication? Well, I think tr- I think communication is is part of the trust, though. Um, and and 
and communication in terms of asking questions of um, allowing the other person's feelings to be their feelings um, and and then taking time but also I think Gail and I always talk about the fact that we don't quite believe in that that the rule of you know don't go to bed angry mm. we because there's some things that just can't get resolved overnight and and at least for Gail and I the more the later it gets, the more tired we are, the, <laughs> the <laughs> sometimes it is just less helpful uh, before you really say something. Um, but we do have a really deep commitment that we always go to bed um, together, you know, so there's nobody who's sleeping on the couch or just going over to a friend's house. Um, but again, that kind of comes back to this trust, you know, like we're going to go to bed together and trust that in the morning we can think about this again together. Um, and then with clearer heads, you know, we might say, oh, they were just having a really bad day and we just need to apologize. Or, you know, this is a pattern and we need to think a little bit more about it. Um, and so this idea of, of communicating, of talking, of kind of going back, being willing to go backwards and ask some hard questions of, you know, what are some patterns that have developed and um, what is, what does it take to, to think about this? But at the end of the day that we can only communicate if we really trust one another um, to listen. Who are you hoping to reach with this book? You know, we are we're really hoping that um, especially young couples um, who, you know, for, for, for so many um, really don't kind of trust the institution of marriage anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, you know, they've seen their parents get divorced. They've seen, uh, you know, people stuck in really bad marriages, you know, people may, who maybe should have gotten divorced who didn't. Um, and, you know, they're just kind of done with the whole thing. We know, we know so many young people like that. Um, so that's one, one group is that, you know, we want to be able to say that marriage is actually really important. Um, it's not the best thing. It's not the highest call. It's not the, the pinnacle of, of, of what it means to be, to be human. But, you know, there's a reason why people stick together. <laughs> and this is a reason why people um, join one another. And it, it creates a lot of beauty um, in our life just as much as, um, as there is difficulty in it. Um, and I think we also were really hoping to reach uh, couples who are thinking about, who really have, um, who really want to think about what this idea of mutual flourishing is in new ways that, you know, they're, they're not necessarily into the whole complementarian man's the head of the household, the woman dutifully follows um, kind of, of framework. And, and they're really looking for something different, um, something that reflects who they are and, and their values. Um, and so that's another group that we're really hoping. And then lastly, um, you know, really, inter- especially interracial couples um, who have not had any maps at all to talk about, you know, some of the unique challenges that get raised in um, in marriages, when people are coming from different cultures, different nationalities, um, different racial backgrounds, um, and the complications and the possibilities that those uh, relationships can 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 offer um, both themselves and the world. For people who want to learn about you and Gail, or learn about this book, how can they go about doing it? Uh, they can go to our website, uh, thebantamspace.com. And or they can follow Gail at uh, Gail, Gail Bantam on Facebook and uh, Instagram, or they can follow me on Prof BKB on Instagram or Brian Bantam on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you so much for your time today. 
Thanks so much, Colleen.